Are you listening to recommendations for my otaku spouse or otaku susume? I'm Jen. And I'm Wes. So let's get started. So last season we didn't really watch that much anime. Well, we watched one season of anime. And that was pretty one much... One series. One series. During the season. But technically it was season one of this series. So we did only watch one season, series. Wait, season? We watched an anime. We did. Which surprised both of us. Yes, but it was also the one that everybody else was watching and the one that every other anime podcast under the sun has done an episode on, so we had to do one too. Have they? Yes. Oh, I don't listen to anime podcasts. But you make anime... Anyway. It's... Uh, keep your hands off Ezoken. Is that what they call it in English? I believe so. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, keep your hands off Ezoken. Okay. I didn't watch in English, so... I get confused sometimes. You get confused all the time. It's true. But sometimes I even get confused about anime. You get confused about anime all the time. That's because anime is confusing. There, there, Wes. It's okay. So if everyone else already talked about this, what are we doing here? Talking about it? Oh, fair enough then. Yeah. So I think we can almost consider this a recommendation from Kenny. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. Because Kenny has special feelings about this anime. And he spent the better part of a month telling everyone and anyone and anything to go watch Ken. I think it was his Twitter handle for a while, too. Probably, yeah. Kenny is one of the other Annie Bros. He is also the one who, I don't know if anybody's listened to that episode, was obsessed, is still obsessed with Promare, and for some reason became completely obsessed with this anime. That episode gets more comments than most of our episodes, so I'm jealous. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> it's because nobody cares. <laughs> Ouch. Story of my life. But, yeah, he was obsessed with Promare, he was obsessed with this, and so we gave it a watch. Yeah, which actually is a pretty big deal for us, because we don't tend to listen to our friends. We try not to. That's why we moved halfway around the world to get away with from them. It's true. For good reason. Hmm. They can't be trusted. Not at all. They're yanks. Their eyes are too close together. I guess you're a yank. I am. And as anyone who would have ever attended Anime Jeopardy presented by the Anna Bros at KomoriCon, you know that we're all just insane, so. <laughs> Especially if you attended the 18 plus one with Wes presenting. Oh. Good times. But back on subject. Azor Ken. Azor Ken. Don't touch it. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. Easy breezy. Easy breezy. No. Okay, the opening was super catchy. The opening was. I was, I said it when we were watching it. It felt very similar to the ending to Hisone Tomasotan. Yes. Or well, actually, Dragon Pilot, it might have been called in English. I don't yes, remember, but it's one I think one it was called Dragon Pilot in English. The girl gets eaten by slash pilots a dragon who wears a special Transformer outfit to look like an F-18J. But Izuken is not related to that. No, but the opening... It just has a really good jumpy, dancey opening. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt I think... strong vibes between the two. Probably also because it actually have... The characters dancing along to the main theme. Yeah. This one had more memes made of it, though. That's true. That is very true. Lots of characters doing the dance. And another one we were watching recently, um, Dragon... Another dragon one. Not Dragon Pilot. Uh, those who hunt dragons, the floaty dragons, drifting dragons, drifting dragons. Um, the ed ending for that has the characters dancing along to the music. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's really, right. really catchy. It's been kind of a dragon boom. Well, drifting dragons, dragon pilots, dragon dentists. We haven't seen Dragon Dentist, so no, that's a movie. Exists. But Ezo Ken has nothing to do with dragons. It's true. It has everything to do with anime. But all of these were anime about dragons. True. 
But we're talking about Ezoken now. We can talk about dragons another time. Ezoken didn't have dragons, but it did have a large crab monster that was pretty cute. Yeah, of course you would think that was cute. I did, yes. You're cute. But funny enough, Ezoken was originally a manga. Yeah. And we, because we're absolute nerds, decided to check out the first volume of the manga and see how it compared to the anime. Well, that and also because Ezoken was so popular, not just abroad, but in Japan, um, it's... It, it was going to get a live action, but with everything that's happening with coronavirus, I don't know if that is still happening. Oh, yeah. Because the kind of intro TV drama episodes, I think, should have aired at the end of April leading into the movie, which is supposed to come out this month. And I don't know if that's still happening or not, but it's supposed to get a live action. But because, as I was saying, it was so popular, we kept seeing the manga everywhere in any bookstore you walked into, because at the time, bookstores were still open. And... After seeing it just in all these bookstores for so long, we kind of had to pick it up because we both enjoyed the anime. Spoilers. I feel like it was in it was sort of in the center display of all of these bookstores for a number of months leading to the anime as well. Was it? Yes. Oh, I, didn't I, re- pay I remember until the anime seeing. Came out. Okay, I remember seeing the cover a lot and was like, "That doesn't look like anything I'm interested in." And then only after the watch the anime was I like, "Oh, I'm surprised that? by that though because the designs." really reminded me of Tekon Kinkrete. Yes. And I didn't like Tekon Kinkrete, and you loved it. I think my problem with manga, with this art style, is the hit or miss. Okay. I'm trying to remember specifically what kind, but there have been cases where I've picked up random manga because I've liked the cover for them, and they've been just not my cup of tea. Oh, that's fair enough. And so that's what I thought would be the case with this, but I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. Um, But weirdly enough that it's an it's a comic about anime yeah that's why i didn't like it the, the manga the manga i was gonna ask about that yeah because we picked it up after we started watching the anime and the anime is about a bunch of kids high schoolers that want to make anime and so when they make an anime in the show or when they're talking about how they're going to make something or when they're talking about animation techniques they can show it to you because it's an anime and they have a pretty clear distinction about what's actually happening in the show and what's in their imagination or their anime, which I think works pretty well. And the manga can't do that because yeah. there's no animation in a manga. It's it's the same problem that I get when you have, um, there's a lot of different music-themed anime. And they don't work for me as a manga because you don't get the music. Mm. Like, obviously, you know, like, k of course, was a big one. No dame can no tabire. That one. That one. Um, <laughs> Even things like, I don't know if it had one or not, but um, Sakamichi no Apollon, Kids on the Slope. Yes, it's all about jazz. All about jazz. I don't think that would work as manga. And uh, things, I think, like We Are the Beatles, Bokurawa Beatles, I don't know if that came out in English or not. That one works on some way because everyone is so familiar with the Beatles music that if they say we're playing this song, mm. you can kind of get it in your head. Well, you're familiar. Okay, there might I think be the like... people who pick up a manga called Where the Beatles <laughs> are going to be pretty familiar with it. But jazz standards in Sakamichi no Apollon or original music and things like K-On! or Uta no Prince Summer or something, you're not going to be as familiar with. And so if they just say that we're playing this or playing that, it doesn't work as well in my head. I mean, sometimes you get problems anyway, like in K-On! the anime, they keep saying that Ritsu is rushing on the drums, but they never actually have... The musician rush on the drums to fit that. 
Oh yeah, they don't. So, you know, there's there's little things here and there, but I still think that it works better when you can hear the music in a music anime. And I think in something like this, which is all about animation, especially like when they're talking about the windmill. When they're talking about the windmill, they're talking about different animation styles on how to make it look like it's spinning while without killing yourself by overanimating it. And it works great because you can see them put in these different steps as it's being animated in front of you because they can just animate what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And in a manga, you don't get that. And so I don't, for me, the manga didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. On the flip side, I think there were some things that they did in the manga that could only work in the manga and didn't work in the anime. One was they do this really interesting thing with some speech bubbles, um, where the speech bubble works with the, or at least the text in the bubble works with the angle of the perspective of the image. So you have sort of the quote unquote camera in the manga looking down on the girls on the roof um, at an angle and their speech bubbles, the text is in line with the angle of the building. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. What they did in the manga. I think you can do that in anime though. Well, you can't because there isn't any audio, I mean, like visible text. It would have to be a stylistic choice. But if you look at something like anything that Studio Trigger has done to bring this back to Kenny. Yes. <laughs> they constantly play with text on the screen and have it warp depending on how the camera interacts with the scene. But in a way, they're doing that to reflect sort of the style of Western comics, I think, rather than manga SFX. I suppose. I don't, s- no, I don't really see that in Western comics. Like, especially when you look at something like Kill a Kill, where they use the text to emphasize what characters are saying. That, to me, oh. feels almost more like a uh, Japanese Okay, or like in Promare, where they have some text and the character literally crashes into the text and the text goes flying. Yeah, or, you know, you'll have the character say something and the text appears behind them as the emphasis. And then as the camera spins, the text is still standing behind them. Yes. So they can still, okay, you can still can play with that. it in animation. They chose not to in this one. Because I think that pulls away from the idea that it is animation, which I think was, we talked about stylistic choices before and how you adapt to different mediums. But I just, I think, so something like that I think works really well in the manga. But when the manga is about animation, you're missing a crucial aspect for me. I agree with that. I'm just saying there were some things that the manga did well that they couldn't do or didn't do in the anime. Mm -hmm. Another one I think is um, the the concept art that um, Asakusa comes up with the incredibly detailed images you can't really pause and have a good look at in the anime. It kind Which of flashes on screen and it's gone. You see them in the ending credits a lot too. Yeah, but in the manga, you can just look at the detail. Yeah. I think that's... But again, it doesn't show you the animation that is the whole point, the core of the manga or anime. Yeah, the concept art like that, I do find really interesting to look at. It's, I mean, I own some of like Miyazaki's concept art books simply because the man is obsessed with old machinery. Oh, yeah. The creator he, for this was obsessed with Miyazaki, clearly. Clearly. and he, But he in Miyazaki's old art books, he puts in a lot of those details without constraining himself to reality. Hmm. He, he'll draw a car or a tractor or a blimp or a tank or whatever, and it will have the shapes, but it's not. He's not sitting there with a ruler working out all the fine lines. He's more focused on the feeling and the detail. And I think because the creator of this clearly is drawing a bit from that, you see a lot of that in Asakusa's concept art as well. Mm, yeah, and like the scene with the robot where they design the robot and then they're like, "Okay, this is cool. How do we make it work?" Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, when you look at a lot of giant robots, they don't work. 
And they don't anyway. You know, there's a whole thing about how giant robots... There's that whole scene in the anime where, like, giant robots are based on lies. Which is true, but giant robots are also based on love of giant they're, robots. They're powered by the power of love. Some of them are. <laughs> if you've ever watched G Gundam, which is... I haven't. You know I haven't. Well, G Gundam's amazing. But it's also... <sighs> You're going to add that to the list as well? It's completely... No, I probably won't. It's completely <laughs> different from any other Gundam. I'll just say that. But they end up using the power of love to fire a heart-shaped beam to blow apart Devil Gundam. It's amazing. Love, dear. What's that? All you need is love. Love is all you need? Yes. We're getting off the subject. Um, you were telling me about the... But no, yes, yeah, so giant robots. Giant the... robots. And it's so they're going so much into... What makes a giant robot tick? And I think that's something that you see a lot in the Miyazaki designs that we were talking about. Because even though you get weird things that could never exist, uh, like almost any of his airships outside of Porco Rosso and Kaze Tachinu, uh, The Wind Rises, those ones are based on... Evie. The ones in Porco Rosso go pretty far out there. But when you look at like the ones in Howl, where they've got flapping wings or... Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Goliath and something like Castle in the Sky Lapida, there's no way they could be real, but he puts so much time and effort into coming up with the small details that you can't help but think of them that way. Yeah. And 100%. I think that's what they're trying to show in Asakusa's designs, which I found really interesting because at the, the whole time you've got uh, Kanemori, Kanemori-shi, uh, running around having to be the Roy Disney to the Walt Disney and saying, these are great, these are great, these are great. You can't do this. We don't have the time, we don't have the energy, we don't have the budget. We have to make this real. Which I can empathize with. I like that a lot. As a project manager. <laughs> like yeah, that. you need somebody in the group who who can bring the others down and then pulls her hair out when they don't stick to schedules and then has to somehow pull a miracle out of her butt. Yeah. She's one of the best characters. <laughs> I love her, yeah. But, you know, it's so... but. It is a shame that you don't get as good of a glimpse of the concept art in the anime, but I do think you get enough of it to see Asakusa's obsession with those details. You you get they use it to fuel the character without unfortunately giving the viewer enough time to look at it because they don't have time for it. Speaking of characters, one thing I really liked about this anime was the characters. I think that these three girls are not your typical peppy anime girl characters that you see in most shows like Shirobako, which is another series all about how anime is made, has these very stereotypical anime girls, big eyes, colourful hair, just that has that art style. And so I'm really glad that when they adapted the manga to the anime for Izuken, they kept the original art style. And it, I know I just felt like the characters felt more human than in some anime. Yeah, the, the author clearly just wanted to write these characters. Mm. And they're very good at sticking to who they are. And I really liked that the anime spent just enough time in the background of the characters to flesh them out. How did they get to who they are now? Yeah. So you get depth in how they were voiced, how they acted, how they saw the world as well as their backstories. Yeah. I do. I really think the um, Kanemori backstory episode was a lot better done than the Mizutani episode. That's her name, right? Yes. Yes, Water Valley. Oh, Mizusaki. Mizusaki, my bad. Um, I thought her backstory episode got diluted and that they tried to like have a too much of a B-plot in that one, or I think they spent more time on Kanemori's and did a better job with it. But I do like 
that they use these episodes not as so many anime do to just introduce drama and darkness and a horrible kurorekshi that has to stay hidden and blah, 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 yada, yada. But, you know, they showed where the passion came from. Mm. Mizusaki really makes anime because she's interested in the human aspect of the movement. She's interested in what makes people move and work. And it's not the same mechanical design or attention to detail that Asakusa's working on. She's just shapes and flowing and all of that. And they really went in to show how this came about and how she got to where she was and what influenced her designs to that point, which I thought they did a really good job with. I guess it's also a good thing that they did was show how different people have different strengths. Yeah. And different passions. You know, it's... Even if it's all related to each other. Yeah. I guess that's one thing in... I don't think they did well in Shirobako was show how animation is done. They showed more of the industry side of things, the process, the people involved. Whereas this really showed like the core creativity and sort of the steps involved in actually animating a scene and combining movement with background and sound. Yes, unfortunately, I think that what they showed in this is a lost art. Because anime is no longer made the way it's shown in Eizouken. But ironically, I think because Eizouken was shown in the way that it was trying to show that animation was made, it therefore brought it back. To some extent. but... To some extent. I mean, I think the last anime truly made the way they were showing in this would have been Redline, where it was drawn, scanned, and colored. Mm, Yeah. Nowadays, everything is... Kind of hand-drawn onto the computer, filled in. Yeah. Which uh, Shirobako does show them moving around a lot of physical manuscripts. So I'm not... Maybe I need to do more look into it, because I know a lot of what my information is coming from how Western cartoons are made now. But I do know there was a big thing that came out when Redline came out, talking about how it was all hand-drawn and all that. At least with the company I'm most familiar with, I'm pretty sure... Because the person who does all the storyboards is a part of the older generation. I think he does it on paper and then scans it into the computer. And then other people print that out. And then the anime company actually plans the scenes. And then they send them off to the um, the between bits. I forget what. In-betweeners. In-betweeners. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... Literally what the role is. Yeah. yeah. Um, the in-betweeners and they fill it in. So I think you're right. I think it's not as But I'm wondering close. like for the... Yeah, it's weird because you still see pictures. Like if you go get an art book for something, you'll see pictures in the art book that look like the keyframes. Yes. Well, it's because you still have to have people drawing them, like coming up with the concept art and the angles and the storyboards. Well, but storyboards and keyframes are very different. True. Well, Hmm, I want to to look more into this. I think keyframes are similar to concept art for a video game. They kind of, they depict the scene and then the scene has to... Everybody else who's working on it has to extrapolate from that. No, I mean, I mean the keyframes are literally at this second, This mm. you're going to have this image. At this second, you have this image, and the in-betweeners goes and just fills in the animation between those two keyframes. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of like concept art, but it's going to be an actual frame in the show. Sure. I don't know. I'll have to look more into it. But this one, you know, they pull out, like, the old uh, depth camera, and they're talking about cells and layering cells and all that. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool, but I don't think many people actually do that anymore. No, I don't think many people do. Funnily enough, I don't think... I think that was one thing that wasn't realistic about this show is that three people, speaking of which only two of them is actually creating stuff. I guess um, Kanamori was 
doing coloring towards the end on the Connie computer. Connie was keeping on the track. I think she had the hardest job. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the fact that they had this image that only three people were working on a maybe five minute anime and somehow managed to get it done. Like, I feel like that was probably one of the most unrealistic aspects was, I think, I guess they didn't really show the timeline, but I feel like they either needed a lot of time or they needed more people. Yeah, I suppose. If we were being realistic. I think also, even though they didn't show it all on screen, especially the third anime they make, is supposed to be a bit longer than what they show. Because that one, you just kind of get this montage of them doing it, Mm. of the actual showing of it. Um, You hear a lot about small teams, especially on like indie video games, creating wonders. And you look at games that are animated using more classical style, like Hollow Knight or like um, Skullgirls. And those are going to be animated in similar style to a cartoon and then composited using other methods. And those are usually pretty small teams. So I think... But they take a lot of time. They do. And so I think maybe to the polish that they were shown... I really like the fact, for instance, that with their first anime, Grip Your Machete Tight or whatever it was called, that they showed corner cutting they had to do because it was very real. Oh, yes. Like in that one, they talk a bunch about... Well, we can reuse this bit of animation. We can reuse this background. We can simplify this. We can do this whole section in black and white. And so they do definitely give some nods to the fact that this is a lot of work for two people, which I enjoyed, especially because a lot of it seemed really real. Um, the final episode of Gunbuster was in black and white because of budget issues. So like the first, whatever it is, episodes leading up to it is all in color. And then all of a sudden you get to the end and it's in black and white. And that was just because of budget issues. So it's actually happened in the industry. So I liked seeing that in the episode. Um, and they also do show them also outsourcing a lot. That's true. They oh, get, that is a good point. They do. They get to the point where they um, go to the blackmail slash rope in slash pay <laughs> the art club to do a lot of the backgrounds and things like that. So they they took effort to show that it's more than a two person job. But I do agree that I think that it's more than a two person job. On that subject, I personally thought Grip Your Machete Tight was the best anime of the three that they made. Yes, and I thought I that it was shown the best in the episodes. One hundred percent agree. I, that was one thing I really liked was how um, they did the sound effects, especially when they were kind of delving into Asakusa's imagination mm. and they had the sound effects done by voice. And then when they started to introduce the um, the sound nerd, I forgot what her name was, they started bringing in sound effects, like real sound effects, and then sometimes brought back the voices. Yeah, when they were, when, especially when they were trying to describe what a sound would be. Yeah. And then when the sound club would get an idea for it, they're like, oh, you mean something like this? And it would play an actual sound. That was cool. It kind of reminds me of, I think that's something that they took from the manga because you also had the sound effects physically on screen. Because I guess that's, again, in her imagination, she's writing down the sounds that would be made. Yeah. And that is something that you'd see in a lot of, like, um, I keep going back to it because the art just reminded me so much of it. But if you look at some of the Miyazaki art books, like Daydream Note, there will just be little sound effects here and there on the side of it. Well, this like is, this is said, an engine. It's going to go. Plop, 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 plop. I mean, I've seen some of his art books because you have them. Yeah. And seriously, so many, so much from this anime slash manga was taken from his art style. It's insane. That was actually an interesting difference that I found between the manga and the anime. What's in that? In the like in the episode one, um, Asakusa oh. drags Kanemori off to the anime club to watch a screening that they're doing, and in the manga they don't show you what it is, and in the anime it's some 
obviously not Future Boy Conan that they call something different. Which you said was a Miyazaki yes. piece before yeah. Ghibli was a thing. Pre-Ghibli, yeah. It was an old thing. Um, but in the anime, it's very clear what it is, even though they call it something very slightly different, but it's Future Boy Conan. So one other random fact that I found out about this anime um, while doing some research mm-hmm. was it is directed by the same guy who did Devilman Crybaby, which apparently Kenny did tell us about, but I forgot. Uh, Yusa Masaki. Well, as we said earlier, Kenny was raving so much about this, he probably told us a lot about it. That's true. But who listens to Kenny? <laughs> I guess we did. We watched the anime. Yep, and true. we watched Devilman Crybaby because of him. Yeah, I blame you, Kenny. Uh, I blame Kenny, too. Er. Er. I think that's one discussion I never had with anybody was that I didn't like Devilman Crybaby. So I was pleasantly surprised by Azor Ken. But then again, Azor Ken's based... Well, actually, no, even Devil May... Even Devil Man... Even Devil May Crybaby. <laughs> even Devil Man Crybaby was based on the the manga. Yeah, Devil Man Crybaby is just a retelling of Devil Man. Yes. Ever so slightly tweaked. Well, okay, so the director does a good job of, of adapting manga into anime, I think. Yeah, I thought the animation in this one was better than Devil May Crybaby. Well, they were going for a very specific aesthetic. That's true, but I like this aesthetic more. And it, it's, an, it's it's something we've brought up in past episodes, and it's something that I take issue with. Like, for instance, we were mentioning Tekken King Creed earlier, I brought mm-hmm. it up. In a visual medium, the visuals are important, but I can't say they're all-encompassing. Like, you were saying you picked up manga where you go, oh, this looks interesting, and then you try to read it, and you're like, oh, this is garbage. Good visuals, and for me personally, good visuals cannot make up for lack of story, but bad visuals... Can ruin, can ruin a, a good, good story. story. Yeah. That's my personal opinion and take on a lot of these, which I know some people are like, well, but the story is so good or something like that. I'm like, I don't care. If I don't like looking at it, I'm not going to bother. It's kind of like the crazy to hot scale from How I Met Your Mother. It's the good looking to story. Like you can kind of compromise one for the other, but if it gets to a certain point, it's like, nah, I'm dropping it. Yeah, very much so. You've crossed that line. But I, I mean, you really like this. I think it was also, I think one of the reasons we only watched one anime last season, which was Azor Ken, was we were both kind of burned out on anime. A bit, yeah, definitely. And so this was a really nice palate cleanser. It was a refreshing take on most of the shows. It wasn't, it was unique. And I think that's why it it gained a lot of popularity. Yeah, I mean, we both found actually, as weird as it sounds, it's harder to keep up with anime in Japan than it was when we were in the States. Oh yeah, 100%. But even despite that, sometimes it just gets overwhelming with everything else that's going on, especially because a lot of it can sometimes seem samey. And so you're wondering, why am I putting in more effort than I would normally to watch something that I really don't care too much about? And so this one stood out because it was unique, because the characters were different, and because, to me, the creator had a lot of passion for what they were mm. doing, and that passion was overflowing in every scene that they made. And I can respect that a lot when you see that, and so it made me want to watch more. 100%, yes. It's like when when you get someone who's very passionate about what they're talking about, even if you didn't originally care, or even if you're not entirely sure what they're talking about, you still want to listen to them. And that's how I felt about this. It's kind of like when you pick up a game or you pick up an anime and you can just tell it was just made to make money you there's something about it that's like there's no passion behind this it was just made for the sake of being made yeah yeah 100% and on the flip side you can really tell when a lot of passion was put into something yeah and i think you can with this 
Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it avoids a lot of your standard just stereotypes that show up in so many things both shows that and helps cause that. You know, the person who sat there and create they created real characters. They didn't sit down and pull open a Rolodex of shonen <laughs> shoujo stereotypes yeah. and be like, I'm going to use character B here and character C there. And Whereas Kitsume no Yaiba... Falls, it falls into the whole deviant art tropes of wacky characters. Yeah. They, they just went and took characters from other anime that they liked that are popular at the time and took original characters from deviant art and said, Yay, I've got myself a cast. <laughs> oh boy. Here I go creating Shonen again. Actually, there was one thing um, going back to animation mm. um, that I was going to mention and had forgotten to mention earlier was. I remember when we were watching it and it, you said it reminded you of a scene from an anime where the character says, oh my goodness, that must have been so difficult for the animators to put all that effort into this animation while also her hair is flipping around and her fingers are like really moving. Yeah, Joshiraku. Um, I don't think enough people watched it. I think, we could, I think we could put this scene in the show notes because it's applicable. We probably should. We'll find a GIF. Um, and uh, that shows him. <laughs> That show was insane, but it, it was in that because they're showing animation in the show, especially you see it in like, I keep coming back to the scene where they're talking about what makes the water wheels spin. And you can see them as they put more and more effort into what's making this water wheel spin until finally, I think they like get captured up in it and are going on a little hovercraft boat through the river and all that. Mm. And just... They're taking it to a level of animation that you're not going to commonly see in an anime simply because of the time restraints that we keep talking about. Animating like that is incredibly difficult. It's why, like, when you're watching an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you already know what's going to happen when you look at the scene because you can tell what's a painted backdrop and what's a cell, and so obviously something's going to happen there. But when you have the time and the budget and the energy and the passion and everything, and you go through and you animate everything there's a a term they use in western animation called knocking the light and i think it might have come from who framed roger rabbit when they're in the scene when they're hiding out in the restaurant and he knocks the light and and the light's shining on roger yeah because he's sitting there and he's trying to saw it off and they've knocked the light overhead and it's swaying back and forth and it's causing the light to go all over the room the animators had to animate roger running around a room with a swinging light and get it all to match up perfectly. And they did because they could, because they had the passion and the skill and the drive and the time to do it. And so when you see really, really good animation, it talks to you. It reminds me of this great um, interview I saw once about Violet Evergarden, which I love so much. (laughs) But one of the animators, one of the lead animators for that project, she really wanted to show off Violet Evergarden as a concept because the... The novel was sent into Kyoto Animation and it won the award. So they're like, we're going to turn this novel into an anime. And so the the lead animator decided, okay, I'm going to make a trailer for this. And she hand animated a trailer of Violet um, typing at her typewriter with her mechanical hands. Mm. Hand animated. Mm-hmm. It took her five months to do like a 10 second scene. I, I think it may have even been 30 seconds. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. And then she was like, I'm never doing that again. For the actual anime, we're going to use CG when she's typing her, her typewriter because this takes too long. But she still, she put, she wanted to put the passion in. She put the time in. 
kind of working between projects in order to kind of show off what look how be cool yeah. yeah this anime could be and sometimes it's entirely also just for bragging rights it's yeah. to say look what i can do there was one of the old disney greats and i can't remember who it was but you can always tell when he was in charge of animating a character because the character has a head wiggle a head wiggle a head wiggle you go back and you watch some of them i'm pretty sure prince john does it all the time in robin hood and when they're talking, they're not just standing there and their mouth moving. Oh, the whole You'll see, body's moving. Not, not even the whole body. It's, it really is almost sometimes the shoulders, but it's really just kind of the head will kind of wobble a little bit. Huh. And it's because when he's doing that, you can't just draw a static image and make a mouth move like you see in so many mm. cartoons. You have to animate every frame to look natural while someone's talking. Are you sure that's not just Bluth? It wasn't Bluth. Because he... His animation is just, you can tell when he's worked on something. Yeah. It's but so... he's also got a very distinctive character style. True. But um, yeah, it was just, it's, it's, and part of the reason he'd do it was because he could. And so it was, it was almost a calling card. It was that this was my character. I'm the one who does this. I'm the one who can do this. And if you're going to put the time into learning it, flaunt it. I'm cool with that. I love animation. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at here is I love animation and I love good animation. If it's not good, I don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a good anime. Yeah. Like 100%. I, I, I can love, see why everyone went crazy about it. I love the characters. It was well animated. The only thing I didn't like about it, oddly enough, was the final anim anime they create. Yeah. I thought that it was... Boring. It was boring. Yeah. Yeah, I did think the whole series ended on a bit of a blip. Yeah, kind of a wet squib at the end. Which but was a bit of a letdown. It was. But up to that point, absolutely loved it. And I know, I know, I don't even have to talk to him about it. I know that Kenny's going to talk about all this symbolism and meaning behind the final anime and the kappa and this and that, because it's the type of thing Kenny would do. In which case, you can listen to his episode of it at Annie Bros Creative. Did they release it? I don't know if they even recorded it because Laven oh, moved to Japan. Fair enough. But I'm sure that he's itching to tell me why i'm wrong about the final anime but at the end of the day grip my machete tight was the best and kappa invasion whatever they called it was the worst thanks and good night <laughs> <laughs> okay well thanks for listening <laughs> oh okay we're actually ending it there <laughs> why not well yeah go watch Hazel Ken. yeah absolutely if, oh. you, if you haven't watched it as you said everyone's watched it but if you haven't watched it go watch it and if you have watched it go rewatch your favorite scenes my fa my favorite bit I think what really captured me for anime, just when the feeling you get is when um, the tank shoots at Machete Girl and the shells eject into the auditorium and the guy in the seat kind of looks over at the shell with the smoke rising from it and he's like, wait, and he blinks and it changes from the anime style to what's being used for real life style. And he's like, wait. But the shell's still there, and he blinks, and he's back in the anime, and then something happens on the screen that draws his attention back to it. So he doesn't really have enough time to be like, what's going on here? And it was just this, like, it just showed how drawn into it you get. Yeah, it's a shame they didn't really do that with any of the other anime. Well, the first one was the best one. Okay. <laughs> well, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you did, we hope you liked this episode, and if you have any thoughts and think, where's this wrong, Kenny, uh, go leave a comment. Yeah, yeah, leave comments below. Um... We're always interested in seeing what other people have to think or comment on Twitter. Yeah. Speaking of which, you can find us on Twitter at Annabros Creative, and the website to leave these comments on is www.annabroscreative.com. Yep. 
And if you know anybody who you think would like this episode, feel free to share it with them. Because that'd be cool. And if you know anyone who you think would like Azel Ken, feel free to share that with them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll catch you next time. Bye.